In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus has made you promises that he will never break. But the devil will try to deceive you and try to steal your comfort and try to get you believe, to believe things that Jesus never promised to you. And when the devil gets you to believe in promises that God didn't make, then he'll get you to be angry with God for not keeping those promises. And one of the ways that the devil does this, in fact, the most damaging way he does this, is by convincing you that your life will get better now that you're a Christian. The devil sends out his wolves in sheep clothing to say, saying that if you're a Christian, you will be happier this life. That if you tithe more, then you'll get more money. Or if you pray more, you'll be healed of all of your diseases. That if you just trust in God with all of your heart, then you'll be successful in all that you do, whether it's relationships or popularity or sports or studies or promotions and the like. And the truth is, I don't even have to tell you who says this. You already know. You turn on the TV and you watch televangelists, you read their books you listen to Christian radio, you watch popular Christian movies, and you'll see that they're simply getting rich on selling you a lie. The lie that when you're a Christian, you'll live your best life now, in this life. The truth is, I know that you're not so naive to fall into this nonsense. I know that you know better than that, and I know that if you've been here at Zion within the past four years, then you've uh, then me preaching on this is, is nothing that hasn't happened before. However, even though you might not buy into this prosperity gospel stuff, which is what it's called, and even though you might not flat out say that being a Christian will make your life better, the truth is that many times, deep down inside, you want to believe it's true. And many times you kind of do. Deep down, you kind of believe that being a Christian enhances your life in some way, shape, or form, temporally, here. And, or at least that it should. And the reason I know this is because so many, and so many of you get discouraged when life doesn't go well for you anymore. When life isn't as good as it once was. And when this starts to happen, guess what happens? When life doesn't go well anymore your faith in God begins to suffer. And you begin to question Him. And you begin to question His Word. And you ask, why, God? Why is this happening to me? And you ask this because in your heart you have this expectation that it shouldn't be happening to you. Or you have this expectation that life as a Christian should somehow be different. That it should, should somehow be better now that you're baptized. That it shouldn't be this bad. You have this expectation that life will at least be alleviated a little bit, that it would be a little better, that it would be carefree or filled with happiness, with less worry, with less problems. You have this expectation that God would somehow be keeping a promise that he never actually made to you. And what happens next is that you try to look for evidence of this. You try to look for evidence and proof that life is actually better now than the way it was before that life is better as a Christian than as an unbeliever. When you look around, you can't really find it. Now that you've been a child of God for quite some time, you look around and you think, 
What has actually changed? What has changed my life? And you look at your own life and you feel nothing but sin waging war in you. No matter how many times you come to church, no matter how many times you read the Bible, you still lose control of your thoughts. Your, your fists still ball up in anger. Your heart is still filled with sin. Bitterness courses through your veins. You make life harder for yourself and for others. And then you look at your body and you watch it slowly decay before your eyes. You see your memory fade and your limbs lose their strength. As dementia and Parkinson's and cancer and depression and anger and addiction wreak havoc on you. You age, you weep, you find nothing but trouble in all of your flesh. And then you look in your home and you find heartache and pain. You find that you argue with your spouse and your children don't respect you. You find that your finances are dwindling. Your bills are piling up. It hasn't changed now that you're a Christian. Then you look at the church and you see so much disagreement between members. You watch as they, they bicker and they gossip. And you see things done behind people's backs, behind closed doors. And you see outright misbehavior and rudeness to others. You see those who carry the name of Christ on them. Avoid and ignore each other. While you watch lifelong Christians suddenly refuse to repent and to forgive those around them. Then you look in this world and you see disaster after disaster. Claiming heathens and Christians alike. And you think, what's the point of believing if I'm going to fall to the same troubles that they are? And you realize that Christians not only face the same problems as everyone else. But on top of that, they're often met with greater problems and problems of persecution. And you watch as the world makes Christians the butt of their every joke. And you watch as they label you intolerant or bigoted, sexist and judgmental for believing that the Bible is the very word of God which he caused to be written. You watch as you are blamed for being all that is wrong in this world. When we see these things, we see it happen, we get discouraged. And when we get discouraged, we begin to doubt. And when we begin to doubt, we doubt God because this life as a Christian, this life as his child, this life as a saint marked as one who redeemed by Christ the crucified isn't exactly going how we thought it would. We start to doubt God because we wanted him to keep a promise that he never actually made to us. A promise to make this life better. In fact, so many people who fall away from the faith do so because they're upset with God for believing he'd do something that he never said he'd do. They leave the church altogether and they fall into unbelief and they avoid the church because life as a Christian wasn't all it's cracked up to be. They leave the church because life looks very different than what the movies and the books and the televangelists told them. What they believed in their hearts and what the devil whispered in their ear. They leave the church because they had an expectation that God would keep something, a promise that he didn't say. And the truth is that God didn't say that you'd never have sorrow. He didn't say that if you believe in him, you'd never have pain. 
He didn't say that you'd never get cancer. And he didn't say that your marriage wouldn't end. He didn't say that Christians would be perfect and would stop sinning against one another in this life. He didn't say that the church wouldn't have conflicts and that members would all get along with one another joyfully and happily without any problems. He didn't say that once you believe in in Christ and once you become a Christian that the world would love you and welcome you home and treat you like their own. He didn't say you'd feel comfortable in this life. He didn't say that this life would be easy. In fact, he has told us that this life would be filled with persecution, with hatred, with trials and tribulations. The first reading for today, this is precisely how Revelation chapter 7 describes this life. It calls this life the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation isn't some seven-year period of time that true Christians will be raptured out of and that they won't have to experience as many churches will falsely teach you. And if you really pay attention, they're saying that if you're a good enough Christian, you won't have to go through such a tribulation. It's the same exact teaching, but just in a different form. The truth is that this entire life is a great tribulation, a great affliction. Since the very fall of man into sin, life has been nothing but sorrow and stress and sadness. And it will continue to be so, growing more and more sad, more and more stressful, more and more difficult with each passing day. And all of these trials and tribulations attack your faith. And what they do is they shake your trust in Christ and they try to drag you into despair, leading you to stop believing in Him, to saying it's not worth it anymore. Why go to church if I don't have a temporal benefit if I don't reap some reward. But you know where this comes from. This is coming from the devil who is a liar, who's trying to tell you things that God never said. So stop believing that life will somehow be better now that you're a Christian. Stop having the expectation that this life should be going better than it actually is and that God is the one to blame for it when it doesn't go well. And stop believing that promises, uh, in promises that God didn't make. Believe, rather, the promises He did make to you. Stop listening to the words that others would tell you and listen to what His very words say. Listen to what Revelation says. Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So what does this mean? What is Jesus promising here? Well, Jesus never promised that you wouldn't experience problems and crosses. But he has promised that he would save you from them all. He promised that whatever you go through, you will get through. His promise is that ones who are the ones who are robed in white, the ones coming out of that great tribulation, the great affliction of this life, that is you. Dear saints, this is the promise he made to you. His promise is that that is a picture of you. A picture of you at the end of this life. He promises that this is what will happen to those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb in baptism. That's a picture of you 
who have trusted the wounds of Christ, who have clung to his blessed cross, who have drunk the blood from his side. That's a picture of you when, when you have been drenched in the bloody death of Christ, who have had your every sin washed away and have trusted in the forgiveness that Jesus won through his passion. That host arrayed in white is a picture of the whole church throughout the world making it out of the great tribulation of this life. It's a picture of you leaving all of your cares and worries behind. It's a picture of you walking out of this life unscathed, unblemished, without a spot, a scratch, or a wrinkle. It's a picture of you standing in the victory of Christ over sin, death, and the devil. That's a picture of you. Revelation 7 is an image of you and what you look like when Christ calls you into his kingdom. When he calls you out of the grave, when he tramples the devil under his feet. This is a picture of you when Jesus calls you home to him. You're the host arrayed in white, if you can believe it. That's a picture and a moment of you. When sickness and disease and anger and depression and anxiety and bitterness and worry are nothing but dust and ashes beneath your feet. That's a picture of what you look like after shedding your last tear in this life. That's a picture of what you look like after your heart's final worry, after your mind's last care is left lifeless in the grave. That's a picture of what it looks like to never have to hear the devil's voice again. What it looks like never to have to be tempted again or fall into sin. What it looks like to never feel guilt ever again. Never to be sad again. Never to suffer and die again. This is what it looks like when your baptism is complete. When it's finished. When God's word is fulfilled. When those who have lived a life in this veil of tears have all of their tears wiped away. That's a picture of what it looks like when Jesus fulfills his promise to you. So dear saints, I don't know everything you are going through and I don't know what tomorrow holds. You might have more trouble tomorrow than you had today. I don't know. But what I do know is this. That no matter how much sorrow fills your heart, Jesus will take it all away. He has promised that no matter how many tears you have shed, He will wipe them all away. Christ has promised that even if you've hungered and thirsted for righteousness and things to go well and right every single day of this life, on that day you will be filled and you will neither hunger or thirst for that anymore. So when life seems to be more sorrow than joy, when it seems to be nothing but great tribulation to you, remember that through his death, Christ has promised to bring it all to a screeching halt, bring it all to an end when he appears. When this life is only tragedy and hardship, remember that Jesus tells you to take heart because he has overcome the world. Remember that Christ has promised to cover you with a weight of unending, undying glory, unspeakable joy, greater than you can ever ask for or imagine. When you're tempted to hold God to promises he didn't make, cling to the promises he did make, which are far better than you could ever ask for or imagine. That no matter how deep in sorrow and sadness you've been, no matter how long it's been, he will overwhelm you with joy as you watch him fulfill the promise he makes to you. Amen. Hear the words of the hymn we just sang.
Behold a host arrayed in white, like a thousand snow-clad mountains bright. With palms they stand, who is this band before the throne of light? These are the saints of glorious fame who from the great affliction came and in the flood of Jesus' blood are cleansed from guilt and shame. They now serve God both day and night. They sing their songs in endless light. Their anthems ring as they all sing with angels shining bright. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.